music's always good, and it? it always blesses me. Boy, I, I enjoy enjoy good music, and uh, Jeff and the praise team and the musicians always bless us every week. So thank you so much. You could be taking your copy of God's Word and turning to Revelation chapter ten, and while you're turning there, um, just to kind of let you know, I know Karen was up here singing a moment ago, but Jeremy. Uh, has taken a job up in Georgia, and they'll be moving. Matter of fact, this is their last Sunday here, and so uh, they've been here since 07, I think, thir 13 years, and have served in all kinds of ministries in the church, uh, from the youth to leadership positions, and Karen has uh, been on staff working in the office and singing, and most of the decorations that get moved around here, she does it, so we'll need somebody to do that here pretty soon, but... Uh, but yeah, you see uh, Jeremy and Karen today. Um, you know, if they if they're giving hugs, give them a hug. If they're not, then you know, elbow bump or something. But tell them you appreciate their their time here in ministry. I know I do, and we're going to miss them. But uh, uh, we have a we have a secret weapon to have them come back from time to time. I think their son's going to be stationed in AS Jacks for a while, so they'll be they'll be coming down here. So you, uh, but you tell her you appreciate all they've done. Uh, since they've been here, and and, uh, and God will use them uh, where they're moving as well. So, Revelation chapter 10 uh, this morning, as we move through the book of Revelation, um, I, I I don't know about you, I my whole life since I was saved, I enjoy studying the Bible, and I enjoy understanding what it has to say and what it has to say to us as Christians. And uh, Revelation is one of the books that promises a blessing for those who read it. And so I'm always blessed when I read it, and I'm always encouraged when I read it. Chapter 10 is another uh, one of those pauses, if you will. Some scholars call them parentheticals, where in the, in the revealing of events through chapter 9, uh, it's been action predominantly, you know, the sounding, uh, the breaking of the seals, the sounding of the trumpet judgments. At the end of chapter 9, we had the sounding of the sixth trumpet. So we know there's a seventh trumpet, and then the seven bold judgments are the remaining judgments in Revelation. But before the seventh trumpet sounds, there's this pause in chapter 10. And really, this pause runs from 10-1 from through 11-14. Uh, so there's a significant pause here. Now, I believe this pause has a couple of purposes when you find them in the book of Revelation. One, um, previous pauses were opportunities for the gospel to be proclaimed again. In the midst of judgment, God uh, having someone, an angel, a messenger, go out and share the gospel so that those that were saved and those who were in the tribulation can be saved. I think this one has also the additional purpose of an encouragement, if you will, because in this pause, in this parenthetical, uh, God clearly demonstrates uh, through through uh, the commission of an angel that he's in charge, that he's running the show. And as far as application for us today, <clears throat> if you look at the world today, <clears throat> things look somewhat out of control, don't they? I mean, we have this pandemic and things, life as we've known it has been uh, disrupted. <clears throat> Churches are struggling to do all the ministries they did before. We're, we're still doing them. We're just doing them differently, doing them virtually. For those who are online today, welcome. We're doing it through uh, through different means. You can't even, as a pastor, I can't even go in the hospital and visit anyone. Can't, uh, you know, you can't do those ministry things. You can't go to people's house and knock on the door. You can't do door-to-door -door evangelism. 
uh, everybody's afraid of catching uh, a pandemic, um, political upheavals and social upheavals and in the world. I want you to understand something this morning. God's still in control. And these things, <clears throat> these things that we see are sip, simply preludes, if you will, to what's coming. I mean, the world's not going to get better. You understand that? The world's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And then Jesus is going to rapture us out of here. So there's some plus to that, okay? So be encouraged today as we think about this pause. Now, what John sees in his vision here um, is he sees a mighty angel come in this interlude, if you will, in this uh, parenthetical. <clears throat> and God is going to fill in some information for us. So let's begin with verse 1. As John describes this vision, he said, I saw still another mighty angel. And the word another uh, separates this angel from the seven who were given the trumpets. So there were seven angels whom we know were uh, in the presence of God. They were blowing the trumpets. And then now there's another angel. So he said, I saw another angel, a mighty angel, he calls him, coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun uh, and his feet like pillars of fire. Now, John calls this angel a mighty or, or strong. Uh, probably some reasons for that. You're going to see in just a moment that he is colossal in size. He's, he's huge. Um, brings up a lot of questions about angels, but here's what we know about angels that we've talked about before. Angels are very involved in the tribulation period. Angels are very involved even today in the plan of God. Uh, the Bible indicates from the book of Daniel that there are angels whom God has assigned uh, to deal with world matters and nations. And Satan, likewise, has demons who try to influence world leaders and world nations for wickedness. And so God's still in control. We know the Holy Spirit is in the world today restraining wickedness. So it's not, listen, the world is not as bad as it could be. It's going to be bad when the Holy Spirit removes his restraining force during the tribulation. But it's not as bad as it could be today. So this angel fits somewhere in the hierarchy, if you will, of the structure of angels in heaven. There are mighty angels, and there are angels that do different things. This one's a mighty angel. Now, there have been scholars who have, because of the description we're going to talk about, who have, who have basically assigned this angel to be Jesus. It's not Jesus, okay? Uh, that's not who this is. could be Michael. could be one of the other mighty angels. But the fact is, John clearly describes this angel as impressive, as mighty, as strong, as overwhelming in his size. Now look at the description again. He comes uh, with, a, with a clothed in a cloud. Now what does that mean? Well, we're not talking about the, the cumulus cloud. Uh, when you see clouds with relation to God, it usually has to do with his glory, like the Shekinah glory cloud. This angel has been in the presence of God. And when he comes, having been in the presence of God, shows on his demeanor. You say, well, does that really happen? Well, it sure happened to Moses when he was hanging out on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments from God. Remember, he came down and his face was so bright it, it basically covered his face because they couldn't stand to look at it. This angel, not being a sinful man, being a, a perfect, sinless creature that God created, has been in the presence of God. And when he shows up in this vision, it radiates from his being. In other words, he's shrouded uh, in this cloud representing God's glory and the authority that he has coming from God, and then a rainbow on his head. Uh, it's an interesting thing, a rainbow. Well, we know what rainbows. It's a promise of God. It's uh, evidence of God's promise. Every time I see a rainbow, I think, man, God will never flood the world again, and there's the evidence of it. He said he won't, and there's a rainbow. But we know rainbows are created with the, the sunlight shining through the atmosphere, and it puts those colors up there. 
Well, it's all connected. The, the radiant glory of God on this angel, and he shows up on earth, and there's a rainbow around his head. And then his, his, uh, his feet and his legs, like it says here, like fire, and his face like the sun. Well, that's the glory of God shining off of his face, and certainly his feet, pillars of fire, have to do with God's power and judgment. Fire always has to do with purity. This angel comes basically in synopsis in the power and authority of God. You say, well, what is he going to do? He's going to make an announcement. In other words, he's a messenger, an impressive one at that. So he's going to come and make an announcement, take an oath, and announce something that, that John's going to hear and that he records for us here. I don't know about you, but when I read these things in the Bible, uh, this angel, for instance, this one right here that we're reading about, He's still alive. He's in heaven. And wouldn't it be pretty cool to meet him one day? I mean, you know, you're going to get to see these, these biblical figures. In fact, uh, not to chase a rabbit too far here, I think it's going to be really neat to meet Moses one day. What do you think? Don't you want to ask him about the plagues? I mean, don't you just want to say, man, what were you thinking when you saw that bush burning, you know? Moses is going to go, I thought I didn't have enough water to drink today. That's what I thought. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, are you, you understand that all these people in the Bible, the human beings are human beings, just like us, okay? And God dealt directly with them. These angels are created beings that serve God just as we serve God. Now, we serve God imperfectly because we're sinful today. But when we get our new resurrection body, you understand we won't be sinful. We'll be perfect like God. We'll be sinless, and then we can serve God. So this angel comes with a purpose. Look at verses 2 and 3. Uh, the actions of this angel are an announcement. Now he had, in verse 2, a little book, a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Verse 3, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now this little scroll that he has in his hands is different from the scroll that Jesus received. A diminutive here is the word you find there. It means small one. This scroll, I believe, just contains the remainder of the judgments that he's going to that, he, that that are coming. It's the revelation of what God's going to do to finish. And you'll see in just a moment in his announcement that his announcement is about the conclusion of things. And I believe that's what this scroll contains. He has it in his hand and it's open. Why? Because these things are about to happen, and he's coming to declare it. The end is near. By this time in the tribulation, they're in the great tribulation part. In the last three and a half years, they're almost done with the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments are about to begin. And the bowl judgments, the Bible indicates, come in rapid succession. So this angel is to come and say, the end is near. Now, what's the benefit of an angel coming and saying the end is near? Well, number one, it'll encourage all those people who got saved in the tribulation who are suffering. Hey, I don't have to do this much longer. Jesus is coming to set up his kingdom. It also serves as a warning to those who are still rebellious. The end is almost here. Now's the time to get saved. Now's the time to make your decision because you don't have much longer to decide. Listen, there are people today who are going through life rejecting God and living in their sin, and they think they have all the time in the world. You might not have long. The end for you might be near. Today is the day of salvation if a person's going to get saved. Not tomorrow. Don't put it off because you never know. So this angel comes and he has this scroll in his hand. Now notice what he does. He stands with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. You say, what's the significance of that? Well, number one, that his size is impressive as he can do that. 
Uh, I went into Rhodes, Greece some years back when I was in the military. Rhodes, Greece is a little island over there among the Greek chain. It's really close to, to Turkey. Matter of fact, off of one end of the island, you can see Turkey off in the distance. The significance is when you go into a natural deep seaport there in Rhodes, Greece, uh, they built a colossus there, a huge giant statue of a man. And he stood with one foot on each side of the opening of the entrance to the harbor and the wooden ships would sail between his legs going in and out of the harbor. And this thing was like one of the seven wonders of the world until I think, if I remember my dates right, somewhere around 200 AD there was an earthquake and the big man fell down. And after the earthquake and he fell down, they didn't rebuild him. But if you go to Rhodes, Greece today, the pedestals where his feet were are massive and they're still there. They're still into the entrance of the harbor. And being a history geek as I am, when I visited there, I was looking for all kinds of stuff about it. But there was a colossus standing there. Same picture right here. This angel is going to stand with one foot on the ocean and one foot on the land. The significance is that God is master of all creation. And God sends his angel, and his angel stands to claim both the sea and the land, which encompasses all of creation on the earth. And so this huge angel stands there uh, over God's creation. You understand this, and we understand this. God made this world, and he made the universe, and we messed it all up with our sin, and he's going to take it back, and he's going to fix it. He's going to make a new one. And this angel stands there indicating God's authority over all of creation. Now, he, he makes an announcement. He cries with a loud voice like a lion. Now, I've told this story before, and Nathan will remember this. I did, I, when I read the Bible, I never thought much about a lion's roar. Man, I don't live, I don't live around lions, so I've never heard one roar except on TV. There used to be a, a movie company that had a lion in the front, and he roared every time a show came on. You remember that? Young people don't remember that, but we remember that, right? Well, Nathan and I, when he was a little fellow, he went on a school trip to Busch Gardens. Busch Gardens had some lions out there because they have a, like a zoo. And because they were on a school trip, we got, he got the VIP behind-the-scenes thing. We got in a truck and rode out there in a draft, stick their head in the truck. It's pretty cool. You ever pet a giraffe on the nose? We, we could do that. Well, they took us by the lion pen where the lions were. And the only thing between us and the lions was a plexiglass wall, which I wasn't real comfortable with. I'm like, man, that lion, and lions, if you've never stood up close to a lion like that, I never had until that day. They're huge. I mean, they're big. I mean, they're, they're impressive. Well, this lion on the other side of the glass decided it was time to roar. Never heard one. And when he did, I think it's the he's that roar. I'm not sure. The she's kind of rule the pack, but the he's roar. So the lion with the big fur around his head, he roared. It was loud. It was impressive. Matter of fact, it was so loud, you couldn't hear anything else. That's, listen, when I heard that, and then I understand this, when this angel speaks, it is that kind of overwhelming sound. It's loud. And it goes with his size. He's a colossal size. And so, listen, when he cries out, when he, when he makes the announcement that he's going to make, listen, here's the point. The whole world hears him. The whole world hears him. The whole world hears what God has to say. Do you know God's speaking to the world today, and, and there's a lot of people who aren't listening. Today, God's often speaking in a still, small voice as the Holy Spirit pricks a heart and says, man, you need to be saved. And people are pushing God away and they're not listening. Understand this, one day God's going to speak and everybody's going to hear. One day God's going to speak and you're not going to be able to ignore him, okay? So perhaps if he's speaking to your heart today in that still small voice, 
and he's drawing you to be saved, you ought to listen to him now because you will listen to him later. This angel represents that as he cries with a loud voice. Now, an interesting thing happens here. When he cries out, it says seven thunders from heaven respond to his statement. Now, when you think of seven thunders, thunder again in the Bible is always associated with God's judgment, with God's moving. It represents power and authority. And when this angel makes his announcement, seven thunders, which are seven voices, answer him in a cognitive response. You say, how do we know that? Because in just a moment, you're going to see that John, being a good scribe, because back in, in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus said, write down everything you see. And so John's been writing like crazy, right? And whenever these voices from heaven answer back, John starts to write and Jesus goes, no, nah, don't write that part. So we know it was a cognitive response. These voices from heaven respond to what the angel announces. Now listen, here's, here's why that stuff's important. If you read over this, you've got to think about this stuff. All of heaven knows the plan. All of heaven knows what God's doing. All of heaven knows that God has a plan and he's going to bring human history to the, to the end. And so when this angel comes to earth, plants his feet on the ocean and on the land, makes the announcement, the whole world hears, heaven agrees. Heaven says, right on. I don't think they said right on, but you understand what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe the seven voices said amen, and may it be so, and God, make it happen today. But heaven agrees with God's plan and wants to see it accomplished. In fact, the Bible tells us when Jesus was dying on the cross and the angels looked into God's grace that he would do for man and, and provide his son to die for us, and they look on it with amazement. I mean, with amazement that God would do that for us. This angel, this large angel, this mighty angel makes the announcement and, and heaven agrees. The seven thunders respond in agreement. Now look at verse 4. Here's John. He's going to write. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. That's interesting, isn't it? That just makes you want to know what they said, doesn't it? That just makes you go, wow, I wonder what those, I wonder what the, the seven thunder voices said that God doesn't want us to know. Well, if God said don't write it, you can be sure we ain't figuring it out. So, so it's kind of futile to even try to think about it. But here's, here's what we take away from that. God's, God's at work. And God's doing things that he don't always tell us about. And there are things that he don't want us to know right now. There are things that, that God would, would really doesn't want us to know. He wants us to trust him. You say, well, has God done that in the past? Yeah. Let me give you a couple examples. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 26, you can go home and study this. Daniel had a vision, and Daniel was going to write things, and God said, no, don't write that down. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get that stuff. And Paul, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that he was taken up into heaven and given revelation from God about the New Testament, and that's how he, he wrote a lot of what he wrote in the New Testament. But there were things Paul said that I saw in heaven that I heard that you can't utter that you can't write down, that you can't even explain. And there are things he wasn't allowed to write. So we, so we know that God's at work doing things that he doesn't really want us to know about right now. But here's the exciting part. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Listen to what Paul said. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. Boy, that's, that is good. I love that verse. 
eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it even entered into the imagination of man's heart the things that God has in store for those who love him. That's good stuff. So even though God says in this case, John, don't write that down. I don't want the world to know that right now. Whatever it is, whatever God has in store for us, it's good. And we're going to like it. Okay? So we might not know it all right now. Hey, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way as well. I was thinking about that verse this week, writing this. And I thought, you know, don't you want to know those things that God don't tell us? Well, listen, isn't this true? I have enough trouble grasping what he has said to me. Okay, so it's probably okay that he don't give me some more stuff uh, that I got to struggle with. So, so we'll just concentrate on what he did give us in the Bible, and then we'll figure out the rest of it when we get there, okay? Now, the angel takes an oath. Look at verses 5 to 7 real quick. Here's his, here's his oath. He said, The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven. Verse 6, And swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. There's the message. No more delay. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Boy, I like this part of this chapter. Number one, the angel's announcement is simply this. There's going to be no more delay. I'm not waiting anymore. Time's up. Time's over. No more delay. No more pauses. No more waiting. He said the seventh trumpet is about to sound, and when the seventh trumpet sounds, the bold judgments are going to come in rapid succession, and then the mystery of God's going to be finished, which simply means God's plan to the end, fulfilling human history. Jesus is going to return, take the beast and the false prophet, put them into the eternal lake of fire where you'll never hear from them again. Satan's going to be bound, put in the abyss for a thousand years, and Jesus will establish his kingdom on the earth and fulfill the plan of God for humanity. The angel said, no more delay. Now, I like his description here when he talks about God. He said, so says the one who lives forever and ever. I know you already know this, but let's think about it for a moment. God, Jehovah God, the God revealed in the Bible, is the only eternal being that exists, God. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God expressed in three persons. He is forever and ever and ever. He is from eternity past to eternity future. God never had a beginning, and he'll never have an end. Now, that's difficult for our human brains to grasp, okay, because we live in such a finite existence. But God is eternal. The angel says right here, by the name of the one who is forever, no more delay. By the name and power of the one who is forever, who is eternal, the end is coming. Science today is secular humanism. Progressive thought. Man thinks he's so progressive, we're going backwards. You move away from God, you're going backwards. Okay? I don't care what direction you're going, it's backwards. There are scientists today who argue over whether matter is eternal. You know, matter, particles, atoms. And they argue over the age of the universe and how long has it been here and, 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 and has matter been here forever? And, and listen, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And when they move away from God, they become foolish. It's very simple. Listen, matter is not eternal. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse in the Bible. What does that mean? That means that God spoke and matter was created where there was nothing. In other words, God spoke and where there was nothing, now there's something. That's, only, that's the only, only person who can do that is God. Not only did God speak the eternal one and bring matter into existence where there was nothing, but he formed it and he put it together and he created the stars and the planets and he created this planet and put it exactly the right distance from the sun and put it in exactly the right orbit and exactly the right rotation and he put exactly the right things here to support a life he was going to create and then he took up a handful of dirt and he made a man. That's how it all got here. To say otherwise is foolishness. So the angel declares, listen, the angel declares the one who is forever, the one who is from eternity. And then he said very clearly here, he who created all things, he who created the earth and the heaven and everything that's in it, he declares no more time. And then he said according, look at the end, as he declared to his servants, the prophets. You see that in verse 7? Isn't that good? God, the angel said, is going to do everything he has revealed to his prophets. He's going to do it exactly like he said he's going to do it. Listen, you want to know what's going to happen at the end of the world? Read the Bible. You don't have to guess. Everybody's in a tissy. Oh, you know, I can use that word, can't I? A tissy. That's an old word. It means they're all shook up. Everybody's all upset. Oh, we got pandemics, and we got wars, and we got... And we got strife, and we got this, and we got that. No, you know what I got? I got Jesus. And, and, and I got the one who, listen, he's got me. He got me first, and because he got me first, I got him. And, and, and he's in charge. And you don't have to stress over this stuff. Yes, do we have to live in the real world? Absolutely. Do you have to make decisions every day? Yeah. When I go in the grocery store, do I wear my mask? Yeah, I, I, yes, I do. But am I freaking out about it? Nope. You know why? Because I know the God that's in charge of all this stuff. And I know the God that controls pandemics, and I know the God that moves nations, and I know the God who puts people in office and removes them from office. I know the God who gives life and takes people out of this world if they mess with them. That's just it, man. He's the God. He is God. He's the only one. And so you don't have to freak out about that. So listen, if you're saved, you're a child of the king. And he told his prophets what he's going to do. And all you got to do is check the book. Everything God ever said in here has happened just like he said it's going to happen. God's got 100% accuracy, which tells us that the rest of it's going to happen too. And notice the last part here is he gives John instruction in verses 8 to 11, and we'll close. Notice what he says. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said to John, he said, go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. Then John said in verse 9, So I went to the angel, and I said to him, Give me the little book. And the angel said to me, Take it and eat it, and, I will make, and it will make your stomach bitter, uh, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book, the little scroll, John said in verse 10, out of the angel's hand, and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. The first thing that impresses me about this is, is Jesus from heaven says to John, go to the angel and take the scroll. So John goes over to the angel and says, give me the scroll. And the angel said, you take it. 
Why, why is that in there like that? Don't you find that interesting? If you don't, you're reading it too fast. I mean, the, the, you know, the voice of God, Jesus says, take the scroll. So John goes over and he's polite. John says, hey, can I have the scroll? The angel said, take it. The angel said the same thing God said. Why did he tell him to take it? Why did he hand it to him? I think it's subtle, but I think it's important. Listen, God gives us everything we need, but he doesn't jam it down your throat. If you want it, you got to take it. If you want it, you got to receive it. God says, I'll save anybody who will ask me. And he sticks his hand out and he says, here it is. Here's salvation. Free. You can have it. Don't cost you a thing. Just take it. Just receive it. But most of the world won't take it. They won't receive it. They just walk right by, carry on their way, pursue their sin, live their life. No, John, go take the scroll. The angel's got it in his hand. His hand's open. The scroll's open. Take the scroll. So John reaches up and he takes it. God's word's the same for Christians. Everything you need to know about God and life is in this book. Everything. There's nothing that you need to know that ain't in this book. There's nothing that God's life that you need to know isn't in this book. You say, well, you know, Pastor, i got to make some business decisions that ain't in there. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You, say, you want to know how to make your business decisions? Get on your knees before God first and ask God for direction. Ask him to help you. Ask God to open the doors and close the doors. And then carry out your business affairs in the fruit of the Spirit, and God will bless what you do. That's how you be a businessman or a businesswoman in the world. Everything he knows in this book. Problem is, many Christians are living life, and God goes, hey, here's the book. Here it is. I gave it to you. I had John and all the other guys write it down, Paul and all the prophets. Here it is. And nobody reads it. Nobody looks at the thing. You want to know what God wants you to be in the world? Take the book and read it. John, come take this scroll. John said, can I have the scroll? And the angel said, you heard what he said. Take it. So John takes it. And he said, then do something interesting with eat the thing. Well, God told him to eat it. Well, he's not the first one that gets told to eat a scroll. I think God told Ezekiel to do that too. Same, same effect. He said to John, he said, look, John, here's what I want you to do. I want you to eat this scroll, and while you're eating it, it's going to, be, it's going to taste really good. It's going to be sweet as honey. But after you eat it, it's going to give you an upset stomach. I don't like upset stomach, do you? John, so he eats the scroll, sweet to his taste. What does that mean? What, what is all that telling us? Well, very simply, it means this. If you're a, if you're a saved man or woman, if you're a born-again child of God, and you read the Bible, isn't it sweet to you? It is. I mean, when you read it, doesn't it bless you? If, you? if you read God's Word and it don't bless you, one of two things is wrong. One, you're not saved. Or two, you're saved and you all got all kind of sin in your life. But if you take time to read God's Word and you really want it to bless you, man, it blesses you. It encourages you. So it's sweet to the taste when we consume it. And too many Christians are walking around biblically anemic. They don't consume God's Word like they should. It's sweet. But why would it give us a... A, a bitter stomach. Why would it make us? Um, why would it make us feel bad? Well, I'm going to tell you from personal experience. When I read God's word, it's sweet. It's encouraging. I like it. But when I read about this judgment, and I read about men and women going to the eternal lake of fire and never being able to get out of there, it saddens me. Puts a burden on my heart. Makes it bitter, doesn't it? 
You read about the good news of the gospel, and it's sweet. You read about the promises of God, and it's sweet. But then you read about the wrath of God against sin, and you read about people being judged at the great white throne judgment. And listen, and there are people you interact with every day who are lost and are going to hell. They'll really make you sad. They'll really bother you. Or be a little bitterness in it because you know what they're facing. And they won't hear. They won't listen. Same for John. Take this scroll, John, that announces the rest of the judgment. It's going to be sweet when you eat it because it's God's word, but it's going to be bitter. And then God gives John his last commission there again in verse 11, and we'll close. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. John, I want you to finish prophesying and finish writing down about the rest of the tribulation what's in this little scroll and what's going to happen you write it down and john was faithful to do that i'm thankful he was we have it in our bible john here's your commission finish writing it down and telling people what god's going to do let me close with this you know when jesus went back to heaven he gave us a commission a charge instruction you know what it was Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority, Jesus said, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Listen, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end. Amen. The last thing Jesus said to his church before he went back to heaven, hey, get out there in the world and share the gospel with people. And when they get saved, teach them, disciple them. That's what we're all about here. Winning people to Jesus and discipling them. That's our commission. Are you involved in the Great Commission? I hope you are. Listen, this pause, this parenthetical in chapter 10 is a time of encouragement for those who will be in the tribulation. It ought to encourage you today to know that God has his plan and he's in control. I encourage you today, don't be, don't be shaken by the things that you see today in the news and are happening in the world. God's in charge. And the judgment of God's coming on this world. Listen, the judgment of God's coming on this nation that we live in. It's coming. You know why? We kill a million babies a year by abortion. God don't overlook that. Our immorality is off the chart. We've messed with sacred institutions that God ordained like marriage. God's not overlooking that. God's not overlooking that. God's judgment's coming. But be encouraged because Jesus has overcome the world. And if you're in Jesus, you're an overcomer, right? Listen, are you saved this morning? Do you know that you're saved here this morning? Are you absolutely sure? Online, or if you're watching live this morning, are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? I want to invite you to Jesus right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing uh, these things that will happen in the tribulation. Thank you, God, that you have promised all who are saved today, who are in the body of Christ, that, God, you're going to rapture us and take us to heaven before the tribulation begins, and that, God, your, your judgment will come against those who rebel and are, are rebellious against you. God, I pray today if there's a man or a woman, young person in this place or watching online, if they've never been saved by faith in Jesus Christ right now, would they take the moment, pause in their life and say, God, I'm a sinner and I know it and I'm sorry. God, I don't want my sin. I repent and I ask you, God, to change me on the inside. Change my life. Forgive me for my sin and save my soul. God, you'll save all who ask. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. If I can pray with you or help you, I'll be down here. You come on the first verse. <laughs>